We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that you could invest in crypto through your retirement account? That's right. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. With iTrust Capital, you also get the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit iTrustCapital.com to start investing today. That's iTrustCapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Incorporated does not provide legal, investment, or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. All right, guys, before we get in the show, I want to talk quickly about bet online. Uh, Super Bowl is coming up. So you know, you got to be on their betting live bets, prop bets, bet on the national anthem, do it all go to bet online, uh, use promo code armchair, take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it in 10 seconds. Unbelievable. He throws. Got Meyer. And he used to tell me, those places are great, but there's no place like Kansas. folks what's good we are back with another episode ain't no seats podcast we've got a guest um because you know what it's it's february and for once people are more interested in hearing about football so we had to quickly bring in not just our main football connect but this is the dude that's like the most connected dude in the world right now he broke the offensive coordinator news on twitter the other day bryson stricker Bri by Strick on Twitter. Bri, how are you doing? Um, I'm ready to talk some offensive coordinator. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man, and I'm, I'm ready to talk Kansas football as always. Yeah, so first, before we even get into Mike DeBoard, the hired, anything like that, uh, what was it like beating guys like Dennis Dodd and even the main KU beat writers, all those dudes? You were first on Twitter to break the news. You you. KU football Twitter was in shambles when you tweeted that because we all were just very disappointed and we'll get into that. But yeah, what was that like? Man, I'll tell you, dude, it, it's, I know, you know, I mean, you've broken this before. It, it, it's a dopamine rush like none other. And I'll tell you in this situation, like obviously like you build the reputation and there's always going to be, be the people who never believe you and like assume like everyone I, I read everything KU football related. There's nothing that is KU football related. I don't read. I read everyone on Fogdown.net that tells me that I steal information from John Kirby and that I steal information from other people and repost it as my own. Like I read everyone the slant that says the same thing, says I'm, you know, a jock writer or whatever, like just like, you know, tailing people. So it's like, I got this information and, and ironically, like, what is it? Wednesday today? I got it Monday night and, and the information I got Monday night was from a plus sources. Like, but it was, this he didn't really take the job and we'll talk about this a little bit more later but it's like this is the person but this is not the person so it's like okay that's that and then I get like this like c minus source out of left field telling me on Tuesday Mike DeBoard is taking the job and I'm like dude I can't run with what you're telling me and I, I think I texted you like pretty quickly like I was like hey like I, this is what I'm hearing and I was like I, I was like 
I can't run with this. So what did I do? I tweet out, I think I know, because, and I will give credit to John Kirby. I mean, do John Kirby knew, John, and John Kirby did know. But like, John Kirby posted an update, you know, trying to warm people up to the idea, you know, things are coming to a close. And so I'm using that. And I'm like, okay, you know, is it this? And I even comment on his post, Mike DeBoard, and nobody says anything to me. And normally if I'm right about something like that, it would have gotten deleted. Yeah. Like they would have been like, no, get the JK would have been like, all right, delete that. Hopefully no one saw it. And that didn't happen. So maybe I'm wrong, but I tweet out, I think I know who it is. I don't believe it. So I'm trying to get confirmation. And then I get the confirmation I needed. And I'm still like, almost in shock like i can't even get my hands to tweet out this because it's like dude i know people are just going to be cussing at me in my mentions when i have nothing to do with this like this is not the higher people want and i go i tweet it and i guess you could say i hedged my bet by saying i don't know if i'm right but like i mean it felt good man and i'll tell you like it's one of those things man where it's just KU football nobody cares about fucking KU football man but it's a situation where it's like now, like I've gotten to the point, like I get people who, who know what's going on on a very national level. Like they know who Les Miles is talking to and who he's interviewing and they're telling me things. And so it, it's, it's a blessing, man. It, it is what it is. Like, I guess it does pay a little bit to care about Kansas football. It was uh yeah, it was pretty funny because yeah, you did text me and right when you told me, I think I responded with just, Oh boy being like, cause I just knew it was going to be bad. And I was hoping you'd tweet it because I don't know. I just love when guys like you are the ones breaking the news and not Dennis Dodd, but I knew we were going to get the reaction. I had a similar reaction. Um, So let's just get into Mike DeBoard, the whole search, I guess we, I know people, it's a guy that we've heard forever. People have associated him with Kansas jobs, head coaching jobs, offense coordinator jobs, Ed Warner. He's a guy. A lot of people wanted from day one. Was there even interest? Was there a realistic opportunity for him to come to Kansas? Or was that just us, as always, getting our hopes up? So I think it's like a two-sided question there. Because I think there was interest. And, and it comes from the fact I don't know Ed Warner. and never met a member of his family. Never met him. But, you know, I know plenty of play, people who played for him, you know, when he was here when we won the Orange Bowl. I know plenty of people who work with his daughter, you know, in the alumni association. And I know plenty of people that just know the family because, you know, they grew up in the area. So um, I know plenty of people that know him. And I was probably reached out to by about five or six people immediately when Brent Deerman um, was, you know, announced to be leaving Kansas. And they're all like, you know, Ed's interested, Ed's interested, Ed's interested. And this search, coaching search, was about as lip shut as I've ever seen anything ever be. And I don't know if Kansas was ever interested in Ed Warner. And you have to assume, you know, Ed was talking to donors, you know, t- talking to big money donors and and telling them he was interested. And obviously, you know, those big money donors, you know, they're, they're still holding on to the Orange Bowl in the times where Kansas was successful and Ed was involved. So you have to imagine that, you know, they let Jeff Long hear their opinion. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anybody who was a part of this whole entire thing except Mike DeBoard. I know that there were coaches who told KU no. I know KU definitely did turn over some stones and, and try to find some guys to bring in as the OC and were told, you know, thanks, but no thanks um, plenty of times. But I, I don't know where Ed's interest was from KU. I do know Ed was interested. I just don't know, like, maybe he was a top choice and he wanted more money or, or I don't know anything in regards to that. I have to think that it was just a situation where it, I don't think he's the right fit for less miles and then less made that decision for himself. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that kind of hurt Mike DeBoard when the announcement came out. Cause I think people had gotten so into that idea. Um, and we all just kind of, hated this hire from the start. So let's get into Mike DeBoard, the hire. Um, This dude's been a lot of places. And I would say, so I've kind of gotten more positive about it since yesterday, which I'm glad we let some time pass by. My first red flag is that this dude has been a thousand places since the nineties. Like he's been all over the place. So I guess just give me your thoughts on his background, how you feel about the fact that he's been so many places. I know you've talked about his time at Tennessee and how you like some stuff you saw there, but like, what are you feeling about the fact that this dude has had so many jobs in the last 20 years? You know, 
if him having so many jobs is definitely not a positive. I, I mean, there there is no positive way to spin that unless you just want to say he's, you know, well-versed. But I, I, that's not a positive spin, and it's a negative spin when it comes to recruiting. And But I think you just really have to accept the, the fact of two things, is that the Les Miles era will not be past 2022. And, and I'll tell you, um, unless Mike DeBoard is the second coming of uh, Lincoln Riley, he's not going to be here at the end of 2020. I mean, a new coach is not going to retain him. So I, I don't really, I don't think that as a negative, it is a negative that he's been so many places, but I think of the ways that it is a negative for Kansas. And I just don't really think they apply. Like I, Mike DeBoard's not going to be what makes or breaks a recruit for us. And, and I think really at this point, you know, one recruit isn't changing much. I mean, we're too far in. I mean, we, we were three classes in, um, you know, the players who are going to be the reason why we turn this program around as of today are all here. I mean, the, we might get a freshman or a transfer or something that, you know, can make an impact, but it's not going to save anyone's jobs. It's not going to change the, the KU football fans opinion on the Les miles era. That is all decided. So I don't think, the fact that he has gone everywhere is as big of a deal as it would be if this was the original hire, um, you know, and I think it was a negative for Les Kinning. I mean, Les Kinning almost, you know, his resume was just a, a crappier version of this, to be honest. So it's, it's a situation where I don't think it's a positive by any means. Um, but the negative aspect really, is it really relevant? I, I don't think it's relevant simply because it, it doesn't matter. He, he's not, he's not going to be recruiting for us. He's not, He's not going to be here for a long time. We're not trying to convince people of, of the long haul here. It's, it's KU football is going to start winning now. All right. So, well, take me into what you're thinking. You say Les won't be here by the end of 2022. Is that a, uh, is that a feeling? Is that something you've heard? And is that you think going to be due to just lack of success? Or is that it doesn't matter where KU's at in 2022? He's going to be done, ready to retire, be over it. I, I just, I think it's a culmination of everything. I think. Lack of success is now, you know, we're staring down the barrel of that gun. Um, I, I think you look at this upcoming season, Vegas is not going to set this lineup anywhere above two and a half. I could even possibly see it being two, but just given the fact we have two teams, you know, that are, you know, an FCS team in Coastal Carolina, you and then, you know, 10 more games to try and squeeze out some miracle. You know, you'd assume it's going to be two and a half, but like th- – they're not winning more than three this year. And then next year, I I just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough to think we can win at least three big 12 games. I, I that just, I, I have, and even more so not even seeing that from us. I don't see three big 12 teams that are going to let us beat them. I, I just don't because Kansas has gotten so lucky that teams don't take us seriously. The second that they need to take us seriously, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get waxed. You know, K-State takes us seriously every year. They're a bottom of the conference team and they mop the floor with us. So that's, I just don't see how we have the success. So the success gun is, you know, pointing us straight in the face. And then, I mean, there's just no denying. I don't need to sit here and deliberate, but like, I mean, Les Miles is not the same guy he was at LSU, not the same guy he was at Oklahoma State. And it's just, that's just, like, it's not even, as far as his age, man, like, not very many coaches coach past 70. I mean, and, like, you know, especially at, at the Power 5 level, especially at the quality level. And I just think, I think there will come a point at that point where Les will be like, hey, why am I still doing this? You know, especially if they're losing still. Um, his son will be gone. Um, it just, it'll, I think it'll get to a point. Um, at the end of the 2022 season that there's just no less miles reason for being here will just be irrelevant um yeah i guess i would say well yeah all right i don't i don't want to turn this into a uh doom and gloom ku football podcast about the future of the program because we know it's not bright but i'm trying to spin this a little positive tell me i think you of all people i've talked to has somewhat been the most positive about the board um, but I also realize you're kind of just in this state of like, who cares? Literally doesn't matter. But for someone that wants hope, wants excitement, tell me why this isn't the worst hire in the world. Um, I think it's not the worst hire in the world for two reasons. One, because I, I talked to you a little bit before we got on here, but I think when you look at what an offensive coordinator under Les Miles can achieve, and what Les Miles wants to do, like you kind of have to find the, a mix. There, there's a mix of like, you could go higher than next Lincoln Riley, but 
randomly in his offense, you're going to have less wanting his son in a fullback and wanting, you know, a power formation and running the ball in the middle. Like that, that's just what Les wants to do. And you start running into a situation we saw with Dearman where it starts button heads. It, it starts not mixing. You know, if you got a young, inexperienced guy, he won't know how to adapt. He won't know how to, how to mix what Les wants to do in with what we need to do and what he wants to do. So I look at it as a situation, a guy who's worked with us before in the past at Michigan, a guy that's been in a bunch of different places, worked with a bunch of different types of head coaches. I'll be the first one to tell you here. I mean, Butch Jones and Tom Allen are not the same person. I mean, that, that is, I mean, two completely different people. So it's a coach that has been everywhere and, and understands completely different situations. Tennessee and Indiana are not the same situation. So a coach that has been two different places and coordinated the offenses there and I mean, I would say for the first time we have a have an offensive coordinator who has had success. I mean, you could say it's because of the players. You know, you could say it's not a ton of success. But, you know, he did have success at Tennessee. And, you know, if you want to go really far back, I mean, he won a national championship his first season ever as an, as an offensive coordinator. So, you know, he at least knows a little bit about what he's doing. And, and he did have success, you know, at Indiana as well. So. That, I think, kind of gives me some reasons for optimism about whether or not he can at least, you know, make the right play calls. Because I think that's, I mean, step one. And I think that's unfortunately where Kansas football is at. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'll be, I watched his press conference. I, and that's kind of what got me feeling a little better. I will say we, we always talk about Les's opening press conference and how it was just kind of like, whoa, this is not the same guy we remember. I think the board came away. He seemed energetic. He seemed kind of young. Like he didn't seem as old as he looked. He had some, he was making jokes. He was having fun. I don't know. He seemed energetic. I like that about him. He seems to be a huge fan of Jalen. So that's kind of my transition here. People ask on, we ask for people to bring, tweet some things in. Somebody asked about the QB situation. Is Jalen going to be the guy? Are you pretty sold on that? Or do you think we're going to be like we always are and have no idea who the quarterback's going to be day one? I think we're going to be in a situation where we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Um, and I say that simply because I, I, I've gotten to the point with Kansas football where until someone has given me a reason to think, otherwise I'm not going to assume they're going to label the starter. However, I think this will probably be the most clear cut situation of who is likely going to be quarterback one we've had in a very long time. I, I think, I think Jalen will be your hands on favorite. I, I don't see how he won't be. Um, you know, the the only thing I think I could see stirring that up, and, and it almost pains me to say that, is that Miles Kendrick will be all the, all the board will see of that kid is him at practice. And I'm telling you, the dude didn't continue to get snaps last year because of his performances in the games. I mean, we we all saw he was bad. I mean, nobody was questioning how bad he was in games. But the dude is insanely good at practice because he puts in the work. He, he He's good between the ears. I mean, he, he understands what he needs to do. And, and he puts in hard work and he tries. And he puts 110 to compete for the starting job. And I think, you know, Mike DeBoard's not going to have much game film of Miles Kendrick playing quarterback in a game. He's going to get to see him at practice and practice scenarios. And I see that as a situation where Miles Kendrick thrives and in a situation where I don't think Jalen Daniels does thrive. I think Jalen Daniels is very talented. I think, I think Conrad Hawley, and I'll talk on him in a second, but I think Jalen Daniels is the most talented thrower we have right now. But the inverse is the kid was a two-star prospect for a reason. I, I always tell people that everyone's like, Oh, we, you know, we found a diamond. Rough. These kids are normally that are two-star prospects are two-star prospect for a reason. Jalen Daniels arm didn't wake up one morning and be able to throw a rocket. That dude can throw the ball. I mean, we all saw it. And that was not a surprise to anyone, but it's like his decision-making, his ability to, you know, read defenses quickly. That thing, that is the reason why he was a two-star prospect. It wasn't because he's not fast enough. It's not because he can't throw the ball hard enough or accurate enough. So it's a question of can Jalen overcome those things? And I think he can. You know, it was unfair to him, you know, COVID and everything. He didn't ever really get a chance at development. It was like, hey, you're third-string quarterback. And then it was like, hey – these dudes suck. You're first-string quarterback, you know, and it's it, it was a situation he never really got a chance, and especially with that offensive line, never even got a chance to ever even explore reading a defense. So I think Jalen Daniels will be the guy. I, I, I do feel really confident in that, but I, I can't speak for Jalen Daniels' ability to develop, to develop. 
but assuming he can develop at a moderate level, I, I think he's got to be your guy with Conrad Hawley being the guy that if that dude can get it together, that dude has it. I mean, he's has the size, has the, has the enough movement, has the arm to do it all. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, he's 18 years old and he's on campus early. So kind of a double-edged sword there. All right. Well, speaking of young dudes, and just to kind of end this positively, KU got our highest recruit in the history of the football program today. Um, God, tell me, how do you pronounce his first name? Quay? Quay? Yeah, I would assume it's Quay. Quay? Yeah. Uh, Quay Davis, tell me before you go, get us a little excited. What do you think of this guy? He's a playmaker, man. And I noticed today he posted a picture on Instagram um, of him. He was basically photo edited by someone of a Dalen Charlotte catch with his name on the back. And I was like, this was all I needed. You know, I I didn't need, I didn't need much more motivation to to feel pretty good about this kid. I I think the big thing with that is, I mean, just like we saw with Dalen Charlotte is like these kids that come out of high school or stars, they're, they're built different. They might not play different, but there's normally a reason why someone's a four star compared to even a three high three star. There's normally a reason why someone's a four star. And it's like, you know, I remember, you know, being a, I think it was like a sophomore or junior at KU at the time and like going to an open practice and Jalen Charlotte was there. And like, I shook his hand after and like, it swallowed my hand. And like, I mean, his hand is so much bigger. And like, so it's like, we bring in a guy like that. And like, that dude is going to be a playmaker. Like, I don't know if you've seen his highlight tape, but he had a couple plays he made that were just absolutely insane. And it's like the kid has the athleticism. He has everything. And Emma Jones, dude, always the man with the plan. Um, and it, pulling that out, getting us that kid. I, I think he's going to make plays for KU. He's going to be someone who's in the rotation immediately. Um, and I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a very interesting sign to see how Mike DeBoer gets a kid like out of the ball because he makes plays with the ball in his hand and he does a good job of getting open and making some insane plays down the field. So – I feel pretty good about what he can do. And I think that's a very good thing to add for a wide receiver group. You know, they just lost Andrew Parchment and Stephon Robinson as well. Yep. Well, yeah, I was excited. I, uh, I've, I've made it. So if we get a four-star that commits and there's no signature, I don't allow myself to get excited anymore. I'm so over football recruiting. So when I saw he signed today, I was thrilled because I fully expected the decommit and it didn't happen. So shout out to him. Um, yeah, I uh, appreciate you coming on to talk KU football. We uh, we always need to go to you when we need some guidance on this. And hopefully, hopefully, I don't know if people are going to come away feeling a little better, but maybe just have a little more clarity about uh, what, the, what the future of this program might be. So I appreciate you coming on. Again, folks, you can find him uh, if you're not following him, which I'm sure you are, but at Bri Bri Strick on Twitter. He's, uh, he's, he's breaking news these days, so go give him a follow. I appreciate you, man, as always. All right, shout out to Bri for coming on again. Before we get into basketball, let's talk a little bit about Bet Online. I mentioned them earlier in the show. It is Super Bowl week. Go freaking make bets. I don't care if it's National Anthem, Coin Flip, bet on it all. Um, certainly bet on the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, Bet Online, promo code armchair. There are guys. We've talked about them all year. Just go use them. Secondly, Got to shout out Toplin Goliath. They're our go-to beer. I tweeted out after the horrible game against Tennessee that nothing <laughs> cures a bad loss. Better than an old Toplin Goliath beer. So uh, they're located in Iowa, opened in 2009. They've got the, the Pseudo Sioux. That's my favorite. Pompeii, King Sioux. They got it all. Go use them. Name second best brewery in the world. Go check them out. But all right. B-turn wasn't on for the Bry interview. AB is not here. We're going to talk KU hoops. It's been a while because let's just be honest. We've been depressed. We have been wildly depressed about the state of this Kansas basketball team. Um, things got back on track a little bit last night, but K-State stinks. I don't know. B-turn one, how you doing? two. How are you feeling about the Kansas basketball program? You feeling any better? Or are we kind of just still in that state of, man, this team is not very good? Um, first off, doing well. Super excited for Sunday. That's another thing with KU football. When you're such a big Chiefs fan, it's kind of hard to – I guess if KU was really good, it'd be different, but it's kind of hard to really get into KU basketball and conference play when the Chiefs are playing for another Super Bowl. But, yeah, like the Tennessee game, just all 40 minutes, just not fun to watch at all. You know, like there's no no positives. And 
a team that can't score is just scoring every single possession on you. Like Tennessee's had games lately where they don't. There's they've had two games lately where they haven't even broke fifty. They last night they scored fifty. Last night. One yeah, then, field goal, one field goal, the final thirteen minutes, and we made them look like the freaking Los Angeles Lakers. It was so you you said it. The forty straight minutes of that game was just pure no fun. Not at no point. Yeah. Did I feel like we had a chance in that game? It was just brutal. And that's the thing we've said about this team is like, it's just not fun to watch. Um, but I don't know. I guess let's get in a little bit to last night. K-State comes to town. Thank God K-State's horrible. Because if there was ever going to be a time for this team to win at Allen Fieldhouse, it was a year with no fans and it was a year with the type of team we've got. But I don't know. I, I think this team – I think the biggest problem has been we're just not making shots. Like Christian Brown is a good shooter. He's not making shots. Jalen Wilson is slumping more than anyone has slumped in a while at Kansas, going from as high as he was to as low as he is right now. The dudes just aren't making shots. I think last night we saw that start to happen a little bit, probably attributed to K-State being really bad. But it also, I mean, I think once you see the ball go in the hoop, things start to go a little better. Um, what did you think of the game last night? Dave saw it again. CB made some shots, getting back on track. I think you tweeted he tears up K-State. So, yeah, what did you feel last night? Um, they started off well and then kind of traded baskets for a while, and then we tried to cut it close near half. I think uh, K-State fouled on a three – or did we foul on a three before half? Ochai fouled on a three, but he only made one. Yeah, of my girl. Yeah. yeah, my girl got fouled on the three, so – I think you tweeted it that it was tighter at half than it really should have been. I think we could have pulled away, got up 15 ish, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't, I mean, it's so hard to judge against K state. And I mean, obviously we don't like K state, but they really are one of the worst teams in the country, at least power five wise. I, I had not watched a full game of them. They're horrible, like worse than like, they can't run offense their offense doesn't even get inside the three-point line until there's less than five seconds on the shot clock, and most time they just settle for a jumper or turn it over. Like, I was actually stunned at how bad they were. So, while I think it was huge for this team's confidence to, like I said, see some shots go in, beat a team, blow a team out, not playing a close game, probably a good thing. I still think it's not going to tell us much, and I think Saturday no. I think Saturday is a, is a game that could very much dictate – kind of how we feel the rest of the season. If we go in and we play like we did against Tennessee, play like we did against OU, play like we did in all these losses we've seen lately, I think we'll just kind of accept it. This team is going nowhere. We're not going to enjoy the rest of the season. But Bill Self wins these games a lot. He goes in, he wins road games against good teams when his team really needs it. That's what I'm talking myself into is us going in and stealing one in Morgantown. Am I crazy? Do you have any – confidence in that happening I think they can win for sure I think West Virginia is an inconsistent team I've seen them getting blown out uh they ended up winning but they were down 20 or so to Oklahoma State and then last night they barely beat one of the worst teams in the conference so yeah. if they do end up beating West Vaughn I mean I forget how many games in a row it is but we could end up winning about five or six in a row I think because you got Iowa State twice K-State again who there's I don't think we'll lose to them but yeah. you beat West Vaughn, and then you got those last three games, which are going to be super tough with Tech, Baylor, and Texas. I don't know the order, but. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm saying with this game coming up Saturday. Like, if we win that game, you're right. We will then be – we yeah. will have won six straight going into the Tech game, which is at home. I think it's Tech first. Which is at home, and like that's, and then if you win a home game against Tech, which we already beat them on the road, like that's seven straight games that we will win going into at Texas and Baylor at home, which I'd imagine are going to be losses. But even if they are losses, winning seven straight games in February, yeah, is that's a good thing. I mean, that's a thing that gets your fan base back on the train and excited and confidence back in guys. But I think it's got to start. Saturday like I, I think if we show up and we're flat and we can't score which West Virginia does teams I think it's just kind of gonna deflate this team deflate the fan base and yeah. I, don't know, I think that I just want to see a win so bad just to get me real back in but yeah you're right West Virginia's been inconsistent but I don't know we smoked them last time like probably our best performance yeah. of the season yeah and then with Tech too um, I think anyone like they're beatable any night 
just because their their offense is so weird some nights they can score 50 points or they'll always be in games though too with their defense so yeah what do you think uh what do you think is best case and worst case like regular season uh i mean we're gonna lose probably what at least i would say guaranteed to lose one more yeah i mean I think with those got- three in the season two on the road I would almost say I'd guarantee we lose two more. Like, if we don't lose – if we only lose one more the rest of the year, like, we're in the hunt yeah. for two seed, I think. Like, that would be an incredible end of the yeah. year. Yeah. My uh, – That's what I was uh, – that's what I was kind of getting at because, like, seeding-wise, just because our schedule's been so hard and our resume is going to be great. I mean, I guess we haven't beat great teams lately, but still, if we still- can – and we'll probably – I mean, not even trying to be negative, but we'll probably lose in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, Baylor's that good, so. Yeah, I mean. So man. Three more losses, would that be best case? Two more? I think best case is two more. That means we get – that means we win two of at Westfall, at Texas, Baylor, and Texas Tech. If we get two of those four and then win the rest against K-State – Iowa State twice and then Oklahoma State. That's a pretty damn good end of the year. Um, that would finish us at six conference losses, which when you're looking at a conference like this, like it's not great, but we've done it before, I think. Yeah, we've done it before. Um, Especially with how we started. I mean, what, we were sitting at four and four? Yeah. So, I mean, I think best case is lose two. You lose one. We're talking final four. We're all pumped. We're talking two seed. We're talking win the Big 12 tournament. I think most likely scenarios we probably lose three um, or even four. Look at us! Uh, look at us getting confident after beating the K State Wildcats. No, but that's I. I <laughs> joke about this. Like, if we can rattle off these next six, man, which is very possible, these this fan base will be they will be excited. And so that's what Saturday I'm is. I don't yeah, know, just, it feels like the most important game of the season. I think it's going to dictate the rest of the year. So. I don't know. I will say this. Dave, Dave looks solid. CB looked solid. Mm-hmm. Still, CB's not hitting like the – he's not hitting the yeah. jumpers he's always hitting. I know he hit some, but K-State is bad. So, I don't know. I still think he needs confidence. Yeah. Ochai looked a little better. We cannot have Ochai shoot like he did against Tennessee. But I'm just still waiting for that game where all our guys click. CB, mm-hmm. I guess kind of got it against Westfall the first time, but I don't know. I still just think you get Marcus a good game, Dave a good game, CB hits his shots. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, we had lost what, four out of five or yeah. three out of four or something? We lost four of five. If we don't lose that so, team game, we lose five straight. It's just nice to see him get a dub, obviously. And I know it was a, uh, I just wanted to see CB and Jalen go off against a bad team just to get some confidence back. But, dude, Jalen – like, Jalen's not even close on his jumpers. Like, they are bricks. Close. He's not even close on his layups. That's been the most stunning thing to me is he can't make layups. And that dude's made some of the toughest layups I've seen all year. He was like – I don't even know what game it started, but he was like the brightest spot of the year. I was, we were talk, I was talking about him going pro. He looked like a league guy. And it's fine. Like dudes have freshman slumps all the time, but I will say you, you got to start kind of coming out of them around this time of the year. So we'll see. And I yeah. think he will. I, I really do think he's in his head right now. When you see this many shots missed and this many layups missed and just bad turnovers, like you just get uncomfortable on the court, I think. So I don't know. I think it's just going to take one good game to get him back to kind of being not as good as he was, but just close to it. So yeah. yeah, I mean the slump started against Oklahoma. He had uh, he had nine points, and then he had four, and then four, thirteen, and then zero. Last two games he's had double digits, and he's still getting rebounds. Like he had ten and nine, and then ten and six. But yeah, he's. I guess he hit or uh, he's hit a couple threes the last two games. But yeah, his misses are not even close. Yeah, yeah, kind of missing free I'm- throws too. I'm not I'm not too concerned yet I think I also think the fact that we get to play K-State Iowa State twice like I think that's going to be huge for guys confidence so that's good yeah again West Virginia stands in the way of that so that kind of sucks but (laughs) I'll say this uh Bill Self I don't know if it's the fact that COVID has just kind of made this year not feel real or (laughs) Bill Self doesn't seem too concerned about 
it all. Like he's pretty confident that we're fine. And that kind of gets me, you know, a little more less stressed. I'm not too worried as I was like yeah. team horrible. Bill seems kind of relaxed about this team. And I don't know if he sees things in practice or if he just knew that our schedule was a gauntlet. We had to start losing some games, but I'll say Bill, Bill's got me feeling decent. And so I really do think we're going to have a good February. And as always, we will see what happens in March. Well, and Bill doesn't bullshit either. So it's not like he's just saying that for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't so, know. I, I can't decide if it's him just being like, whatever. This year means nothing. Who cares? Or if he's like, actually like, no, this seems fine. Like he even talked about like our losses are against all but Oklahoma State all our losses are against top 10 teams. Is that right? I mean, Oklahoma, besides Oklahoma State. Yeah, I already said that. Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, God, if we would have won that game, I feel like we'd be even more confident about – I guess we're not super confident, but if likely doesn't hit that three, they beat Oklahoma State, and who knows over the next few games. I mean, we were going to lose to Baylor, but yeah, Oklahoma, I mean, was a tight game the whole game too. So yeah. that Oklahoma State game just hurt because – we went on that huge run. It looks like we might win and then likely hits a three and he doesn't even shoot threes. So, yeah, that was the only loss that was really bad. And that's kind of what sent us spiraling. But you're right. We were losing to Baylor no matter what. Oklahoma at the time felt like a bad loss, but they're pretty damn good. Um, yeah. Texas. I mean, they beat, that, they beat one of the best teams in the country without uh, Reeves. So, yeah. And here's the thing about Tennessee that game means nothing. Genuinely means nothing. The SEC challenge is stupid. We played TCU Thursday, got one day of prep for Tennessee, which was spent traveling. We didn't even practice. You know Bill's a mm-hmm. guy that, like, needs to prep. Uh, so I'm not that concerned about that game. My th- No, I it doesn't matter. But just just get me to West Virginia. Let's play good. Let's sneak away with a win, and then let's let's get excited. So, Yeah, the ten- only thing with Tennessee is for the resume. Yep. I mean, either way, too, you lose, you play a great team. But yeah, it's been we've lost to Texas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's not like you're losing to bad teams. And yeah. Baylor, we kind of hung around. I mean, it never really got super close. And Gonzaga, we hung around too. I was confident about this team after Gonzaga. Yeah, <laughs> it's been. Weird. It's just it's been. been I feel like it's been CB. It's been CB and Jalen slumping. Like if those two were playing. Yeah. well and as well as we thought they would like we thought cb's been fine but we thought he'd take a big step especially after that west virginia game when he went off yeah. and then Jalen, we thought i mean we were talking about him carrying us early in the year like he was money every night yeah and like the thing i was <laughs> thinking like damn i'm so annoyed like bill relied on marcus garrett to be this point guard he told us dave mccormick was going to be the best scorer on the team and i always think like that's what screwed this team up but really, I think you're right. This team is fine if Jalen Wilson, CB, and Ochai are consistently hitting shots. Marcus is just gonna, Marcus is Marcus. He's going to do that. And Dave, <laughs> I mean, we understand Dave's going to be a roller coaster, but he is starting to put up numbers. So it's like I really do a lot better. At the beginning of the year, I would have told you the key is absolutely Dave and Marcus. But now I'm kind of at the point where it's like they're going to do their thing. We know what they are. But if Jalen and CB and Oach can be consistent, this team can be good. It's just those dudes are so inconsistent. Yeah, that's why I don't think a March run is out of the – like off the table because we do have shooters. It's like those three. If those three are hot and Dave's playing well and – Yeah, I mean – They're playing yeah. good defense. I think – I mean, I don't see why they couldn't go at least second weekend or Elite Eight. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's a guarantee, but we've seen them like West Virginia – I know St. Joseph sucks, but, like, that game, they didn't miss. Mm -hmm. We got shooters like CB. Even if Bryce comes back, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just – I'm very eager to see how this team comes out on Saturday. Um, Before we wrap up, we got to talk about one important thing. Lance Blanks. What (laughs) – I mean, what is Lance – He's literally talking – he's talking as we speak. (laughs) to someone because he's still on the broadcast from last night talking about a management book in which he's comparing to why doke and dot i have no idea but that man is one of the more 
entertaining human beings I've ever seen. He's the worst basketball announcer I've ever seen, but I'm starting to just love listening to him talk. I mean, he's hilarious. If you if you just gave him a topic, like any topic in the whole world, he could talk about it for so long. And he could just switch. Like, he could just act like he's talking about it, but he's not. Dude, he, he it went, would just flow into another conversation. That's so true. Fuck. He went five-plus minutes without mentioning a single thing going on on the court. Five-plus minutes. It was insane. And I don't know if the dude – I think the dude that does it with him – realizes he sucks but he's kind of like whatever i'm getting paid this is my job like i'm just gonna sit here and listen to this dude but that man's got to step in and be like lance shut up just one time he just rambles but like i said he's so bad and so entertaining that i'm starting to fall in love with listening to him call games it's kind of like bill walton just he's not high oh my god what would you have to be paid to listen to him and uh, Walton in a room together for a whole night? Oh my God. I mean, I probably imagine what they would talk about. It would be wild. And like, who would stop for them to like, it would just be both of them talking at the same time about different subjects, assuming the other one's listening to them, but neither would be listening. It would just both of them be talking and no back and forth at all. It would be wildly entered. I'd pay money to go see it. <laughs> um, so he was actually an NBA GM. Yeah, that's the point. There's no way. I, I always, like, I don't know. Somehow ESPN Plus at the end of their year last year got together and they looked at their year and they thought, well, Lance Blank's good enough for us to bring back next season. Like, he is so bad. I don't understand how he has a job, but – Whatever he gets people. They have Bill Walton and they have Bill Walton and Lance Banks. Uh, Lance Blanks a part of their uh, TV program. Yeah. Man, let them do a game together. Seriously, that would like be when the uh, name. Remember when they would do like the NBA announcers would do the NCAA games. It's they could just do that with those two and just put them together. Uh, he's he's one of a kind, man. They're both just, but Bill's a little funnier. I don't know why, but Lance Blanks is just, he takes your breath away. He really does. But Dude, he did not stop. He could talk about anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. All right, well, I just had to get Lance Blanks uh, somehow put into this conversation because he was talk of the Twitter timeline last night. People were just roasting him and doing another freaking world people hate him yeah um so we have eight regular season games left let's say we go six and two or 18 and what 18 and eight yeah and then maybe we go maybe we win let's say two games in the big 12 tournament yeah It'll be 20 and nine. Yeah. What seed do we get? I think we probably get a four. I guess it depends who we beat regular season. Yeah. Because, I mean, what if they – I mean, Baylor's a freaking juggernaut. It's ridiculous. But what if they randomly beat Baylor or beat Texas? That's the other thing we haven't even got into, and I don't even want to get my hopes up about it. But imagine we rattle off. Even if we lose to Westfall, but we rattle off five of the next six, we beat Texas Tech at home, lose to Texas, but then finish the regular season with a win over Baylor. We will have gone six and two during this stretch with a win over who I think right now is the best team in the country. All of a sudden, we're hot. We've won six in our last eight with big wins in there. I don't know. Just telling you, there is a path to this team. And then they beat Baylor in the Big 12. Yeah, doubt that, but there's a path to this team having some excitement going into March. But you know what's scary though? Yeah, what's that? They could easily go four and four. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because they got the four ranked teams with Tech, West Baugh, Texas, Baylor. And then they got a team they lost to who Bill randomly struggles against, which I don't see as an easy win in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're really just not that good right now. Yeah, we're not. I mean, that's the thing. If we start hitting shots. So, yeah, four, 
Four and four is very possible. And I mean, that's what I'm saying. If we go four and four, like this team is just a lost cause. It'll be thought of as one of the worst teams in the Bill Self era. And that'll be that. We'll we'll forget the COVID season forever and whatever. But I don't think we're going to go four and four. I got to have more faith in us than that. But we could. We said, I, I would guess five and three. Yeah, that's probably the safest best. We said this about the Deidre Glosson team over and over again, like, oh, they're going to figure it out. They're going to get that big win, and it just never happened. They just kept getting stomped on the road every time. So, <laughs> I feel like uh, – I mean, I think Iowa State could give us a tough game, at least one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> they've hung with – they've randomly hung with good teams. I can't believe they let K-State beat them. Pretty easily. K State dominant. Yeah. yeah. So, what's uh what's worst case seating wise for us? Like can we drop two uh I haven't I don't pay, I haven't paid attention to that shit at all. This year's been really weird. We need A B to be back, but uh <laughs> I say I say worst case probably like a seven or an eight. I think if we lose four, um and then lose oh, really and then losing the first round of the Big 12 tournament or something, which is very possible, we'll be playing like Texas or te- I don't know. We'll be playing someone good. Uh, yeah, that puts that puts us at eleven losses going into March. That's easily a potential seven or eight seed. But thing is, we have a good resume, <laughs> which I think is going to help us. The thing is, we're going to be playing in the eight nine game, and then we're going to get confident that we can beat Gonzaga in the second round. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it'll be just like Auburn, and we will get absolutely the doors blown off in March. But uh, I don't remember talking about Auburn on the pod, but I'm sure we tried to spin it to where we could win. I, I guess we we were seated higher, I think, but they were, that was not a good match. They no, the reason I think we thought we had a chance is they should have lost in the first round. Oh yeah, yeah, and then they should they almost played in the natty. <laughs> yeah, yeah so i don't know we shall <laughs> that see. was so funny because <laughs> we had the sprint center and we were just hyping it up <laughs> you lost it's the five. blue bloods we're gonna play unc and we're gonna beat kentucky <laughs> bill bill always beats roy like if we get unc we're winning that for sure oh and we're, it's in the sprint center we lost we kind of suck by, at the sprint center we lost by a billion never had a chance uh, Good lord! Can you imagine Kansas being a seven seed? Two thousand, we were a nine seed and took Duke to overtime in the second round. Should have won from people <sighs> older and tell me that we apparently got a horrible whistle. Which shocked that Coach K got a good whistle, but you know, it's <laughs> shocked I, that we're complaining about the whistle. How how bad is uh how bad's Duke? My God, they stink. Yeah, that's the thing. Our ass is going to be in the tournament. I would think, no matter what. And I don't think Duke or Kentucky's definitely not getting in, right? No chance. Unless they win the SEC. Yeah, they're tournament. I think they have 11 losses. Yeah, they're 5 and 10 or 5 and 11. I think they play tonight. Yeah, they play Mizzou tonight in Columbia. Mizzou will smoke them. Yeah, Duke is not good. No. None of those recruits that go to those schools look that good at all. Like, none of them really impressed me whatsoever yeah. i mean the good freshmen are suggs Cade, and uh that dude at lsu is really good cam thomas or whatever but yeah he's nice yeah yeah all right well <laughs> let's wrap this up let's get ready saturday's a big game we need a win this this fan base yeah. needs something good to happen we've been in meltdown mode between basketball and even football but that's all we got, folks. As always, we appreciate yeah. you listening. Um, hey, you know what? I I bet nobody's gone and given us a five star review and forever on Apple Podcasts. Go do that. Won't you be <laughs> a nice person? Go do that for us. We'd really appreciate it. So, and hopefully, we uh, start recording more than once a month. That would be but neat. it's it's up to the team. Like, yeah. we're not gonna get on here and talk about them and be depressed if they lose four out of five. We're but not, if they win six what? in a row. We're not real. We're talking natties. Oh, yeah. We're not journalists. We don't get on here to talk. We talk when we want to talk. We're not getting told (laughs) to talk. So (laughs) just win, Jayhawks, and we'll be back. So, all right, man. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back uh, hopefully next week. Rock chop. Don't get me started, love. I've had too much.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.